Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the gospel account of Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 25. In the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree withered away at its roots. Then Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus answered him, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and if you do not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will come to pass, it will be done for you. So I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So we're continuing our Lenten journey, and somewhere within your bulletin should be the insert for today, Praying with Conviction. It has the scripture that I just read for you. It's got a little bit of a devotion there, and then a way to try it out for yourself. And this morning, we come kind of into this intriguing piece of the story. So what you can back up and read at the start of Mark 11 is that Jesus has just entered in triumphantly into Jerusalem on the donkey colt on Palm Sunday. And after this huge celebration, this parade, Monday morning, it said that Jesus got up and he was hungry. I'm sure he is. It's been a long journey to Jerusalem. He was hungry and he saw a fig tree as they were coming back into the city And as he walked toward the fig tree, he got over and he was upset because it was nothing but green leaves. So it looked good, but it hadn't done what it was supposed to do, which was bear fruit. And so there was no fruit on there. And Jesus cursed the tree. And the apostles heard him curse the tree. And then the next day they come back, and sure enough, the tree is withered. When Jesus said, no one will ever eat of you again, well, a good way to ensure that no one will ever eat of you again is to wither the tree away. And so Peter comes back and sees the tree and is making the connection, go Peter, making the connection between what Jesus had just said the previous day and what he's witnessing today. And then he's trying to point this out that he's noticing, because we all like to be noticed when we get something, right? When we make a connection, we like to be noticed. And so Peter says, Rabbi, he refers to him as teacher, teacher, look, the tree that you withered, you cursed it, it's dead. (laughs) It did exactly what you said, like he's so shocked. And the irony is, why would Peter be shocked? We're at Mark 11. We're almost to the end of the gospel account of Mark. It's the shortest gospel account. And we're almost to the end. And Peter has seen Jesus do incredible things by this point. And you're shocked he withered a tree? So Jesus says, well, of course. You know, if you pray and you ask and you believe that it will be done, then it will be done. And we hear this and we think to ourselves, how many times have you prayed for something and you felt like it didn't happen the way you asked for it, or maybe it's never happened, or maybe you're still waiting for it to happen, and you start to go, hmm, okay, all right, maybe Jesus is speaking in parable about prayer, maybe. Instead, what, P- what Peter recognized is that Jesus was able to make something manifest with his words. He saw that but just by his words, 
May no one ever get any fruit from you again. He was able to cause a tree to wither and die. And Peter is marveling at that, the power of Jesus' words. Now, we are a people of the word, the ministry of the word. We are a people of the Bible. We are a people of the written word. We are a people who know that God's word is very powerful. But we are also a people who know that our words are powerful. Think about the first time you yearned to hear the words and you heard it from someone, I love you, and how much it meant. Think about how many times you have used your words, just a precious few, to destroy a relationship. Or when someone has used their few words to destroy your relationship. Words are truly powerful. And when Jesus used words to manifest a physical difference in a tree, yes, that's something to take note of. But Jesus says, this isn't something just for me. This is something that you can do, as he's talking to Peter and the apostles. You can do this too if you pray with conviction. If you do believe that God can do this, then it shall be done. But the problem is that a lot of us never move forward in our prayer life from a wish list, right? For a lot of us, it, prayer can look like this. Dear God, it's me again. I'm back. And uh, you, know, you know who I am and I know who you are. And let's get down to business, shall we? Here's what I need. And I would love for you to make it happen, right? Here are the things I'm struggling with or the things that I am enduring right now. Here are the things that I feel like I need and I would love for you to help me out with them. And so what ends up happening is that we start to give real explicit details about what we think we need, right? We start to think before we even process everything at hand what exactly it is that we need. There's, let's say that your vehicle is about to expire. Let's say that it's on its last legs, which is hysterical because it's on wheels. Let's say that your vehicle is about to die. You recognize this. Your mechanic has recognized this. And you can foresee that you are going to have to go through the glorious gauntlet that is purchasing a new vehicle. You're going to have to do some research. You're going to have to do some footwork. You're going to have to get out and negotiate a price or find the best rate to finance it. And all of these things are going on. And so you rightly decide to turn to God to prayer. And then you turn in prayer and you say something like, Lord, you know what I need before I ask. You know that my vehicle is failing. You know that I have things that I need to do and places I need to go. Maybe you have to get to work. Maybe you have to get a child somewhere. Maybe you recognize that you do want to have a vehicle that will enable you to do things in the future. I always love it when people are like, well, I'm going to get a really big truck because one day I might take people on a mission trip. Hmm. Okay. And then people will say, God, so I need a vehicle. And I don't know how we're going to make this happen, but I believe that you can help me. And so I need a vehicle. And, you know, since we're here, I've been driving a four-cylinder. It might be nice to upgrade to a V6. And I've been driving a mini SUV. Don't you think it's time for a good midsize? And I've been dealing with cloth. And maybe, just maybe you can manifest a little leather in my future. Right? You start to get really specific. And God, I love Pentecost red. Just saying. You start to get really specific. But instead, what if our prayers look something more like this? God, you know what I need. You know that I need to earn an income. You know that there are those that depend on me to help them get where they need to be. And so I am asking you to help direct me toward a solution for this impending transportation struggle that I'm, that I'm foreseeing, that I know that I'm going to have to go into this. And I need you to help me. And then what if you prayed 
what Jesus said, thy will be done, and you waited. And what if you waited and you heard God say to you, public transportation? <laughs> You're like, oh, wait, hold on. There's been a miscommunication. I got somebody's response. God, I got somebody else's response. This is this, you clearly, Sarah, this one, right? Instead, what if you made space for God's will to be done because you prayed with conviction that God could make something better than before? Not your wish list better, but better. What if you started engaging in public transportation? You know, at first it was begrudging because that's how everybody in the Bible does anything, begrudgingly at first. And then as you started, you established a routine, you became very good at it, and the more that you start to see the same people on that same transportation schedule, maybe you start to have some conversations with them, or at least you start to recognize them, you start to greet them. And then one day, the person that always kind of sits next to you looks over and goes, what are you, what are you reading? You say, oh, I'm reading my Lenten devotional. Lenten devotional? What is that? Well, we're two weeks into Lent, and my church gave us this Lenten devotional, and so I'm trying to grow in my prayer life. Oh, is that what the black cross things were a couple weeks ago? Okay, all right. And so what are you, what are you doing? What, what is it asking you to do? And then you start a relationship with somebody based upon your opportunity for engagement. That somehow God actually through this, through this willingness to put you in a place where you have contact with other people, you have the opportunity to not only tend to your spiritual discipline while you're you're transporting yourself to your job or to school or wherever you need to go. But then there's an opportunity to actually be evangelistic and cultivate a relationship. Most of us, even having seen what the outcome would be, we're still like, I don't want to take the bus. I don't want to take the bus because it's about us. But prayer is not about us. Prayer is about us relinquishing control and letting God do the better thing for us. Conviction in prayer is that God knows better than we do. I have had conversations with people, especially people that aren't Methodist, and they go, well, how does it work that you're, like, how does the pastor thing work? Did you find your church? Well, I eventually found my church, but no, I didn't go, hmm, let's see what's going on in Crozet today. That's not what happened. What happened was you knew that you were getting a new pastor because your pastor was going into extension ministry, would no longer be serving your church, and so you ticked off a a box on a form that said that, and that form went to the cabinet made up of all the district superintendents and the bishop, and the bishop looked at that, and the bishop looked at everybody who was available to be appointed, and the bishop said, well, these are the needs of this church. They've outlined their needs. They've talked about who they are and what's going on, and now all of us will be in prayer together, and we will figure out who to send, and it could possibly have gone very wrong, but you got me. <laughs> Because if you had told the bishop exactly what you wanted, I doubt very many of you would have painted this <laughs> picture. I doubt that very much. I can still remember my first Sunday with you when you were all like, what have they done? She's looking at us. I remember that. I remember. And every now and then it still happens, right? I told 9.30 this morning, I said, the youth came over to my house last week and they picked out my shoes. So say nothing if you do not like them, <laughs> right? It's because if what we're doing here is we're paying attention to a difference between what we want versus what God needs to be done, right? This morning, I may not have felt like wearing these shoes, but you know what? I wanted to wear these shoes because somebody was invested in me wearing these shoes. And they looked at all of my shoes and they picked these. And they said, I would like for you to wear these ones, mostly because of the bows. I like these. And so it became less about me 
and more about the relationship and the fruitfulness of seeing that. That there are adults that will respond when you articulate yourself. That there are good things that can come out of, you know, the crazy experience of walking into where I store hundreds of shoes. You know, there's all these kinds of things. And our prayer life can be no different. Because sometimes God does something truly profound for us when we stop getting in the way. When we stop trying to dictate what the outcome should be and really do say, your will be done. That's why we have to start with what we know. And for some of us, we don't know anything but that Jesus loves us. And that's fine. God can move mountains from that starting point. Jesus loves me. Jesus, I know you love me, but I know that I said something yesterday that caused somebody not to love me. So help me figure out how to get back in right relationship with them. How can you help me love them and be loved by them as you love me? How can we move into that place? Praying with conviction that you know that God knows what you need. You know that God is able to do all things. But it's not about do all the things that I want, but do the things, God, that you want me to do. Do the things that you want me to accomplish. Do the things that you want me to do because this is what is going to bear Christ the best. That's the difference in our prayer life. And this hit home for me yesterday. Yesterday, we were gathered here to celebrate the life of an incredible woman who lived to 96 years. And as we gathered here and we mourned Mary Sandridge no longer being with us, I went home and that's when I finally kind of get to decompress and kind of focus on my own mourning. And I thought to myself, man, if she could have just made it four more years, four more years, she would have been 100. She would have been 100, God. How awesome would that have been? We wouldn't have been here mourning and weeping that she was gone. We would have been here celebrating the fact that she made her centennial. How amazing would that be? And God said nothing, which usually means that I'm off on the wrong path. And I said, well, you know, I would have liked four more years. I would have liked to have had some more time with her. I only had a few years with her, and I thought she was amazing. I could only imagine what else I would have learned from her or the experiences that I would have had with her if I had just had four more years. God, you know, I, I'm missing her even now. You know, I miss the fact that she had come and seen so much. Just talking with her about the changes in Crozet were astounding to me. And I, I wish I had more time. I have more questions. I want more stories. I want more of her insight. I wish I just had more of her. And then God went, mm-hmm which means I'm coming back on the right path, but I'm not there yet. And so I said, all right, God, you know what? I recognize that this is really not about Mary. This is about me. You know, that I recognize that people are hurting, and I don't like that. And I recognize that I'm hurting, and I really don't like that either. But Mary's not hurting. Where Mary is with you, God, is incredible. She is in a place where there is no more sickness, there is no more infirmity. Her body is no longer an issue, a struggle, a barrier, an obstacle. Where she is, there is nothing but rest, peace, unending grace, and the epitome of all love. And how can I try to keep her from experiencing that so that I or anybody else could have four more years? Because the truth is, I believe that we are going to have forever more years. I believe that the promise of the resurrection is true. I believe that Jesus will restore her and us. 
into vessels that will never break, will never get sick, will never have to mourn or suffer or sin or die again. But it took me a prayerful journey to get to the point where I needed to celebrate Mary and celebrate that God's promises are true for Mary and for us. Because otherwise, I would have stayed in a very selfish place. But do you notice how my first one was couched in like selflessness? I wish Mary had four more years. I wish I had four more years of Mary. I wish we had four more years of Mary. But we will. Because the prayer shifts to confidence of God. I know that the resurrection is true. I know that the promise of restoration is true. I have great conviction in this. Jesus revealed it on Easter. We receive it again every single Easter. We are working toward that now. And this year, when I wake up on Easter morning and I prepare myself for three different worship services, I am going to be excited at the promise that Mary and all those that we have lost will be restored to us. That is where we pray with conviction. Because if we simply stop at what seems selfless, if we stop at our wish list, then we're really not getting anywhere in the prayer journey. We're truncating our experience. Now, my son is a big fan of wish lists. And if any of you have a child or a grandchild on Amazon, stop it. It is not good. I set it up so that he could make wish lists. Instead of, hey, come see this, can I have it? I was like, just put it in your wish list. And then he discovered how to make other wish lists, right? So here's the wish list for grandma, which is much more expensive than the wish list we showed a mom, <laughs> right? There's different levels of wish lists here. And so I noticed something. So one day he had done something really awesome. And so I decided to buy something off his wish list. And you can just click it and have it sent. It's great. You know, you're spending money without thinking about it. Awesome. So it comes to the house and he gets it. He's like, oh, that's great. And then later... I just find it like cast off in his room. And I was like, I thought you wanted this. He's like, oh, I did want it. And I was like, are you still happy you have it? Should I return it? He goes, no, don't return it. I like it. And I was like, really? Because it's still in the box over here. And then later on, I put him to bed and I went on to Amazon. And do you know what? His wish list had grown. He just got something. And now there's more. And you're never done. And sometimes our prayer lists feel like this, right? great, God, you got me through Sunday. Let's talk about the next five years. Instead of us appreciating where we really are in the journey that we've taken. You know, I'm to the point in my life where my kid's like, what do you want for your birthday? And I'm like, sleep. That's what I want for my birthday. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want stuff. I don't need stuff. I have enough stuff. I don't need stuff. But I, lo I love the interactions with people. I, lo you know, I love sleep. I, you know, it's very precious to me now. <laughs> I love things like that, but you move away in your life from the things, right? You move away from the stuff, and you start thinking about relationships and the people. You know, my parents were like, you know, you're going to turn 40 this year. What do you want? And I was like, sleep. <laughs> I want sleep. But I also, I, you know, I would just love to hang out with you all. We can, we can have a meal at my house. We can go out to dinner, whatever. I, would, I just want to hang out with my parents, which I never thought I would say. I just, I just want to be with the people that I love. We become a people about relationship and not stuff. And that's where God is trying to get us. When we use our prayer and we start with conviction, it's about the relationship. This is who I know you are, God. This is what I know about you, and this is what I know you can do. I know that you can help me find 
a divinely inspired solution to my problem. I know that you can surround me with a group of people, the body of Christ, a community of faith that can help to sustain me in my times where I am sick or I have become debilitated or I am just struggling and I just need to know that I'm not alone. I know, God, that you are able to do all things. And when everyone is telling me that this is impossible, but I feel in my heart of hearts that this is what you want me to do, I know that you will show me how it can be done. And I will respond with faithfulness when you open that door or you crack that window or you fling wide the gates, I will respond because I know that you can do this. That's a whole other way of praying than God hears everything that's going wrong and here's how I, with my deeply educated self, think that you should respond. Perhaps, just perhaps, if we start focusing on more who God is rather than what we want, God might give us more than we ever thought we could have. God might show us something so much more profound. I remember one time looking at my kid and saying, you know, if you're telling me you want a new whatever it is, why don't you just tell me what you need and then let me like go off and get crazy with it rather than you saying, here's exactly what I want, the color and the size and the fit, and if you just click this, you can spend $150 without batting an eye. Instead, why don't you let me get creative? Why don't you let me see what I can do? And maybe you would have gotten something worth a whole bit more than $150. Just maybe. If you set somebody free, they won't just meet your expectations, they will exceed them. And do we not serve, love, and know a God that exceeds all expectations? Our God is greater than any other deity that has ever been conceptualized, that has ever been worshipped, that has ever been idolized. We serve a God that is greater. Let's stop putting that God in a box. Let's stop assuming that God can't figure out what we really need and start trying to tell God. The last thing I'm going to share with you is a time where I watched a body of Christ tell, try to say exactly what they need. They thought they knew. I was a youth, and I was on a staff parish, and we were getting a new pastor, and I watched a group of adults sit around and tick off exactly what they wanted in their new pastor, down to the gender, the age, the marital status, and a ballpark on the number of kids. You don't want a pastor. You're hiring a figurehead. And I remember looking at these people and what they thought was awe, I thought it was disgust. And I said, you don't really think that God would send us the wrong person, do you? You really think that God's going to send us the wrong person? Because I was raised to believe that God sends the right people. I read a Bible that talks about God sending a convicted murderer, a pathological liar, an adulterer, God can send people that we think are so broken beyond belief and can bring beautiful things out of them. Can use a convicted murderer to free God's people from bondage in Egypt. Can use a pathological liar to found the three greatest religions that the world has ever known. And can use an adulterer to bring forth the Psalms, to bring forth the throne of David and the city of David. And if we had applied 
our rubric and our measure and our wish list, we would have had none of them. Fortunately, Jesus Christ doesn't apply our wish list to our grace. We are a people that have been given everything. Unparalleled love, unrelenting grace, forgiveness for everything that we can say or do, think, feel, manifest. We are a people that have been so richly blessed. We cannot turn back around and say, God, that's really great, but we need to be a people who say, God, this is what we have experienced. This is what we know. What would you have us do now? And if we do that, if we do it, then God will take us on the journey of a lifetime. And that journey ends when we come home into a hand, a house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens, where we will see our beloved, like Mary, like my grandparents, like your beloved. They will be there, and we will have made a journey that we will be talking about for all eternity. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.